Hello everybody, welcome to Game or Not Monthly. This is the January 2018 edition and I am your host, Alan Jones. Once again, I'm back to talk to you about the top four stories of the month, in my opinion. Before we get started, just want to remind you that you can find us on Twitch and Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and Patreon just by searching for Game or Naught. It would be amazing if you could like and rate and subscribe and share on those relevant platforms, really help Game or Naught grow find more audience, build a better community, exactly what we all want. If you want to help Game or Naught out a little bit more, you can go to patreon.com forward slash game or naught and you can donate to us from $1 a month and that will help us build again and grow and give more than we can at the moment to Game or Naught. Without any more ado, let's jump straight into what I think was one of the top four news stories in gaming for 2018 January. And the first story that I want to talk about is the Nintendo Directs that came out in January. Now, we were all expecting something big, and it ended up just being some Nintendo Direct minis, some videos that they released for anyone to check out. Mainly, they contained DLC information or information about some new content that was coming out to games that were already about. But the biggest piece of news, in my opinion, from the Nintendo Direct minis, was that Dark Souls is going to be getting a remaster. Now, the biggest part of that, I guess, is the fact that it's going to be coming to the Nintendo switch so if you missed it dark souls is one of those games that's become a bit of a watchword in the gaming industry it's to do with uh, games that are incredibly punishing incredibly difficult uh, rely on exploration and adventure to find these little key details and that the story is perhaps a little bit more cryptic than your mainstream games i am a massive dark souls fan i played demon souls which was the very first version of, of the dark souls series i guess Dark Souls I played, Dark Souls 2 I played, Dark Souls 3 I played, and Bloodborne I played, so I'm a massive fan. So for me it was really exciting to hear that they were going to be bringing out a remaster. Dark Souls is one of those games that really kicked off a movement in gaming, a movement we're still seeing with uh, Code Vein planned to come out later this year. And that movement was of challenging games, games that were hard and were difficult almost as a principle but dark souls was left in the previous generation it was stuck it was stuck in the past you couldn't play it now unless you either had an old console or you had the pc port and frankly the original pc port was borderline unserviceable unless you download some mods and go in and tinker with it so to hear this getting a remaster on ps4 xbox pc and switch for me, it's so exciting because it means a whole new generation of people are going to get a chance to play what I think is one of the best games ever made in terms of level design and player character design and combat design and story. I think it really is just one of the best games ever made. To hear as well, this remaster is not only going to be a port, but actually HD remaster, improved frame rates, improved resolution and it's going to include the fantastic dlc uh, the abyss of artorias it's just a perfect package it's exactly what dark souls fans have been asking for for such a long amount of time just a chance to play that game again but the reason i picked this news story is not just because i'm excited about dark souls but also because of what it shows about the switch we already knew the switch was getting some outstanding third-party support with games like skyrim rocket league as well which has just had a physical release what this really shows me is that publishers and developers are looking at switch and thinking we want to get our game on that platform 
Uh, that's been backed up recently by the creators of Fortnite saying that they would be interested in getting it onto the Switch as well. And it really just shows what the Switch has done. It's almost Nintendo's version of what PlayStation did with the launch of the PS4, where they came out, pretty much apologised for how they treat people with the PS3, and the PS4 has ran away with this generation. Well, Nintendo have come out and, without saying it, have pretty much apologised for being first-party-centric throughout the Wii and Wii U era, uh, and perhaps humbled a little bit by what happened with the Wii U. And that's what this Dark Souls announcement represents for me. It represents a Nintendo that are recognising that the game industry has changed. It's not about being the odd one out, and you're not going to drag people to your console based solely on your first-party support. People need to be able to have a regular stream of games. And in fairness, in January, the release slate for the Nintendo Switch wasn't looking great. All of its big guns had fired in 2017 with Mario and Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart. And so people were looking at 2018 thinking, well, what am I going to play on my Switch? Yes, there are some amazing indies, but what am I going to be able to play that's going to have that top-level polish? We're waiting for a Metroid announcement, maybe a Smash announcement it is predicted perhaps at some point this year. But really, there was a big gap there. But now on May 25th, Dark Souls is going to be coming out and giving people a chance to really sink their teeth into something deep. In the same Nintendo Direct Mini was also the announcement of Payday 2. And if you haven't seen Payday or the Payday series before, it's a heist simulator and you pick a character, you pick a, a skill tree and that then you build a crew and you go on that heist. And if the heist goes well, then you won't really have too much difficulty. However, if the heist goes wrong and you get caught and people report you, then you end up in a shootout. There's also some different variety in the missions as well that go outside of the regular heist style gameplay. I played Payday 2 when it came out on the, the PC and I really enjoyed it. It's a really good experience. It's a fun experience. To, again, to see that coming out on the Switch shows me the commitment Nintendo have got and the commitment that other developers have got. And if there was any doubt going into 2018 whether the Switch could keep its legs and could keep up the pace that it had at the end of 2017, then I don't think we can ask that question anymore. It's really obvious that Nintendo are getting people on board and are listening to what fans want. And those two games also show something else about Nintendo Switch and Nintendo now as a company. They've recognised that you can be a family console, but also have mature content on there. Dark Souls and Payday 2 are not family games. They are definitely mature games with mature content. Something that Nintendo have toyed with, perhaps with the, in the Wii U and the Wii era, but definitely kept away from mostly. But with games like Skyrim having come out and now Payday 2 and Dark Souls, we're seeing a turn. Nintendo are recognising that they can still sell themselves as the family console by having those family experiences be the majority of the games, but that they can also appeal to those adults. Because, of course, for a family, there's going to be an adult there who may want more mature experiences. Mario Odyssey is fantastic. Breath of the Wild is fantastic. Mario Kart is fantastic. All the indies on there are fantastic, but they have a lack of mature content that may appeal to and be relatable to and may interest an older audience, an adult audience. And with this release slate now, you can look at it and think, well, actually, there's going to be things there for everyone. 
There's going to be things for families, there's going to be things for adults, for single players, for multiplayer people. There's loads of different things in there. Dark Souls being a single player centric, Payday 2 being a multiplayer centric. And it's really interesting now, it's fascinating to me to think, well, what other games are we going to get announced? What other games are going to come out? Where are Nintendo going to go next? What are they going to get onto the Switch next? And you're looking at the games that are coming out on other platforms and Nintendo Switch is really competing. It's still competing and that is incredible to me because at the end of 2017, it definitely looked like it was petering off a little bit. They were still selling absolute gangbusters with the games they've got out, but you were worried that the pace was going to slow down. And with these direct minis, they're really keeping you on your toes, really saying, hey, actually don't don't take your eyes off us yet. We've still got a lot to sell you. We've got a lot to show you. And the direct minis, I feel, were a real success. Yes, a lot of people built up massive hype before them, thinking we were going to get massive announcements from Nintendo properties like Metroid. But Nintendo never made that statement. They never said that's what was going to happen. And that was sort of a hype built by fans and by the media as well. But I think actually if you look at the Direct Minis as they are, then they were a great success. They got people talking about Nintendo. They got people talking about the games that had been out. They got people talking about the games that were coming out. So it was a very successful January. And it's interesting to think about, well, what are they going to do moving forward? Will we have more Nintendo Direct Minis? Almost a monthly thing, talking about the DLC that's coming out. That's something that Sony aren't doing, that Xbox aren't doing. Yes, they have their blogs and they have their Twitter accounts and social media streams, but they're not having a, a monthly dialogue perhaps with the fans and again it just shows Nintendo are thinking differently and are thinking in a way that is resonating with the consumer and with the fan base. So for me Dark Souls and the announcement of Dark Souls coming to Switch as a remaster is not just exciting for me as a, as a fan of Dark Souls but is exciting for me as a fan of gaming in general because Nintendo are really opening the gates up now saying hey we can be your number one console we can be your first console we're not happy with being uh, the second console you have other than your xbox or your playstation we are ready to be your first console and that's crazy there was a point maybe two years ago where you would have never thought nintendo could find that ground again and yet here we are so that's why i've picked dark souls being announced as a remaster for the switch coming out on may 25th as one of my top four stories of january 2018. And the second story I want to talk about is a relatively recent one towards the end of the month. And it was the leak, the rumour uh, that Anthem, BioWare's next big game, was going to be delayed until 2019. We've not had any official announcement about whether that's the case or whether it's still going to be coming in 2018. But the rumour seems to suggest it's going to be pushed back. That in itself is not a massive news story. But what's also come out from the rumour is that even if it is pushed into 2019, 19 it won't be pushed any back it won't be pushed any further back than march and the reason that the rumor states that is is because that is ea's end of fiscal year and they want to make sure that anthem is in this fiscal year now why is that concerning well it, it's concerning for a number of reasons firstly putting that sort of hard deadline on a game especially a modern game a big game a multiplayer centric game it, it's a it's a sign that EA aren't willing to wait 
for it to be perfect and ready to come out. They just want it out. And we've seen with games in the last year or two years that have taken a similar approach, they don't fare as well as perhaps they should do. I'm thinking about Destiny. When that first came out, it was nowhere near the game it was by the time it finished. And we've seen with Destiny 2 as well, issues when that first came out. And EA have obviously seen issues with uh, Star Wars as well because their games have come out and have not been really as good as they should be at release. And so it's worrying that we're seeing another game that is going to be multiplayer focused and does need that polish time and that time to make sure it works exactly as it should do. It's concerning to see another game like that being given a hard deadline. Now, again, it's important to point out we don't have any official news on this. This is all based on a rumour. It's all based on a leak uh, originally coming from Kotaku, who are normally a pretty reliable source. And they have previous in reporting news stories from leaks that turn out to be true. And especially if it's a news story that uh, perhaps the publisher would not like to have put out there. And so I think we can lend it a certain amount of reliability. Now, the sad thing there is we've got another publisher who isn't learning a publisher who is not looking at what's happened and going right we need to change that we need to give people a chance uh, we've got a publisher who are making the same mistake over and over again and that's something i really just don't like when anybody never mind a publisher or a developer or a company i hate when anybody makes the same mistake over and over again i think it shows an Ill inability to learn or perhaps an, a lack of willingness to learn and to change a certain arrogance perhaps but I also find it really worrying because Bioware is a studio who can make amazing games. We've seen it in their back catalogue. They make fantastic experiences. And you just want Bioware to be given the chance to make sure the game is as polished and as complete as they want it to be. You don't want them to be putting out a game that they aren't 100% satisfied with. Of course, they'd never say they weren't, but if they've been given this hard deadline of March 2019, and they're saying that actually we need more, but EAR being hard on them and making them bring it to that time scale, then is Anthem in danger? Is Anthem going to be a game that's going to come out and it's going to need a massive day one patch and it's going to need to be patched for months on end until it's as good as it should be? That That is a concern for me, and especially with Bioware and EA uh, having games that have previously underperformed. I'm thinking about the issues surrounding Mass Effect Andromeda. When that came out, that was incomplete. The game was very clearly lacking that final amount of polish and bug fix. And it was obviously time that, that they would have wanted, but you feel like that game was pushed out at a hard deadline. And of course, it, it, it massively undersold, really, for a Mass Effect game. And although they went and fixed those bugs and fixed those glitches and put the final polish on in patches, it was almost too late. The, the die had been cast, the public had made a decision about that game. And in the modern era, the modern consumer point, if they're not buying it within the first week or month of the game, that's kind of your sales window gone. So you can fix it, you can patch it, but if you're out of that sales window, well, other games have come out. The The calendar is so full these days, you cannot back the idea that, oh, we can wait a month or two and people will still be buying our game. It's just unrealistic. It's not the way it used to be. Maybe that's how you could have done it in the 90s or the early noughties, but certainly not nowadays. There are so many great games coming out, people aren't just going to wait for you to fix your game. You need to have it right when it comes out. And it's a really frustrating thing for me because I grew up in an era where there were no patches and there weren't DLC available. And games, when they came out, they were broken or they were they worked. And if they were broken, they were broken. And people just didn't buy them because they were broken. And now it almost feels as if publishers and developers, and I'm not saying that is the case here, but I'm saying that's what it looks like, 
Publishers and developers are using the ability to patch games later as an excuse for giving you an incomplete game. And it really angers me. There's no other way, there's no other walk of life where you could do that. You couldn't sell somebody half a sofa, but then give them a second half of a sofa two months down the line. And you can't do that. And yet, in games, it seems to be acceptable now to say, oh, there's going to be a day one patch, or we're going to patch it, or we're going to do a hotfix. We're going to solve this glitch or this bug later. Thanks for letting us know. Well, no, you should have been aware of this. And I'm not saying you should be aware of every bug and every glitch, but you should be aware of big ones and ones that are problems. And my worry is that Anthem is going to come out. It's going to be forced out before it's ready, and it's not going to live up to the potential. And Anthem really excites me. I don't like the look of Destiny. It just doesn't seem like my sort of game. I played the original, didn't really like it. But Anthem looks really interesting. It looks like there's going to be much more exploration in it. The combat style looks interesting. I could really see myself getting into Anthem. But not if it comes out broken, not if it's incomplete, not if it's missing features that they're going to add in at a later date. If it comes out and it is not a good enough experience for me in the first week, two weeks, three weeks, month, I'm moving on. I'm finding something else and a lot of consumers are with me on that. People are doing the same. They're moving on. And I don't want Bioware to fall into that. I really like Bioware games and I really like them as a developer and I want them to do well and I feel like they're just going to get squeezed. So I'm really hoping that this is just a rumour and it's not nailed to the wall truth. I hope that EA, if they are thinking about putting a hard deadline on it, I hope they reconsider or at least I hope Bioware have a conversation with them and say, look, it's not going to be ready. It's not going to be ready. But you just got this horrible feeling looking at 2017 and thinking, well, have have people learned or are they still betting on the fact that people will buy the game because of the developer's name, because of the publisher's name? And are they still betting that people will accept excuses and patches and fixes and DLC as an excuse for a game not having everything it should do and not meeting the expectations that they've set for themselves uh, with their past work and with the trailers that they've released. So it is worrying and especially considering we're seeing many of these games now closing down or shutting their doors after a, a year or maybe even less with the news that Paragon on PlayStation is going to be shutting down. A quite promising MOBA but it didn't get the push, it didn't get the support and that's closing down and that seemed to have a community that were playing it and the community that was really vocal about how they enjoyed it and it looked like that suffered from the fact that it was pushed out maybe before it was ready and these early access type games are, are perhaps muddying the waters a bit but again it's the same problem being pushed out before they're ready people not willing to give game developers the time to polish their work and get it ready to be seen so i really do hope that this is just a rumor and i really do hope it's just and i really do hope that it's not true but if it is true anthem worries me and i don't i didn't think that anthem would be one of the games that i was worried about in 2018 or 2019 because of how polished it looked in the trailers which i know is always misleading but you've got to assume there's there's an element of truth in those things so Bioware, if you're listening, and EA, if you're listening, please give yourself the time. Get Anthem right. Get it out. Then you can have my money. But please don't give us a half-baked, a three-quarters-baked, a nine-tenths-baked game. Give us Bioware's best. Give us what we need. Give us what we want. Let's not have another fiasco where we're looking at a game that is incomplete, and that's what the news is. Instead of want to be the news, here's a 10 out of 10 game from Bioware. 
And the third story that I want to talk about this month is the changes that are being made to Xbox's Game Pass program. If you missed the Game Pass program when it was first introduced, then let me just quickly run down what it is. You pay £8 a month, I think $10, and that gives you unlimited download access to over 100 games on the Xbox One. And those aren't just sort of small indies. There are bigger games in there, things like the Saints Row series, Bioshock's on there, Lego Batman, Halo 5, Mad Max, so some really big games are available on the program, and it's always been a fantastic program since the, since they started it. However, one of the things that was often a criticism of it is, okay, it's a brilliant system, but what about the new games? Well, Microsoft have come out this month and said that in future, first-party games will be released on the day of release on Games Pass. In particular, they've pointed at three upcoming games that are going to be on there. Crackdown 3, State of Decay 2, and Sea of Thieves. That, for me, is a massive, massive change in the game, because while it was a good system before, it was pretty comparable to sort of the, the PlayStation Plus free games of the month sort of thing. Yes, there was more options there, more choice, but there was a comparison to be made. Now, however, this to me makes buying an Xbox One so much more reasonable because yes they're losing this generation. There is no debate about that. They have lost this generation. But if you're buying a games console now, if you're trying to decide what games console to buy, if you're not a hardcore gamer, I think the Xbox seems to me like a much more lucrative option because if you aren't the person that's going to be buying the new releases all the time and you're only going to be looking at a couple of releases a year for eight pounds a month you could be picking from a hundred games on the back catalogue plus any first party games that are being published by microsoft and let's say you just play crackdown 3 state of decay 2 and sea of thieves well they're going to be retailing at least 40 45 pounds a game so you're going to be getting more than what you pay over a year just in three games never mind the hundred games in the back catalogue that you can choose from and just remind you they are unlimited downloads you can download any of those as long as you keep paying for your games pass you can keep playing them and that then makes the game pass system totally different it's that unique selling point that microsoft really wanted when they launched the xbox one they really sold it as like a multimedia platform that was their unique selling point and it didn't work people didn't want that now going back to the game pass system they're offering people that unique selling point that really appeals to them, that really makes them want to go out and buy an Xbox. Nintendo Switch don't have that. When they launch the virtual console, we'll see what system they take. Will they use a similar system where it's a monthly subscription or will it be on individual games? We yet to have any comment from Nintendo about that, so we don't know. But you can guarantee they'll be closely looking at how this announcement changes Microsoft's income. PlayStation have got to be looking at it as well. Although, of course, as they're the market leader, they don't need to chase people. They don't need to chase an audience they don't need to make these sort of concessions and i think microsoft have really caught everyone out i don't think there was any rumor that this was going to be the case there was no leak that this was going to happen so it's a massive surprise and i think it's probably one of the biggest things in january out of all these news stories however great they are that microsoft are really really chasing people and saying look actually look at the look at the xbox don't immediately go to the PlayStation. Don't immediately go to the Switch. Is it a move made out of maybe fear that the Switch is going to overtake them 
as the second console. I don't think it's quite that, although I think they are definitely looking at the Switch thinking, well, hold on a minute, there's something something's going on here the market is shifting a little bit we're losing even more ground so i think all things considered game pass it is a big shift in the market and it's interesting to see what happens going forwards with xbox never mind the other games consoles when they release the next xbox whenever that is do they keep up game pass and do they keep it as day in day out releases for first party titles does that change or is that only going to be an xbox one thing will it be the next xbox whatever that is it's a big commitment from microsoft to get people to come to their console because it's risky if not many people download it or if not many people download the games if not many people join up to game pass then you're offering a small amount of people your very expensive games for not very much money so it's got to work it's got to pay off for microsoft and i think for them it's a it's a gamble but i think it's a gamble that will pay off because i'm thinking about people i know who aren't hardcore gamers but they want a games console would i recommend playstation or xbox that's a tough one i think until this announcement i would have probably said playstation without even thinking about it because they're just way weighing above better back catalogue but now that you could access over 100 games and first party titles for £8 a month it's a really promising prospect if you're just getting into a new console so I think Xbox and Microsoft have really shown that they want to, if not close the gap, they want to set a good foundation for whatever is next. And like I said, I think Sony and Nintendo will be very closely watching to see what happens with Game Pass subscriptions and the download figures. And I think Microsoft will be keeping their cards very close to their chest unless the numbers are massive, uh, in which case then I think we'll hear about it quite quickly. And I'm hoping that for games like Sea of Thieves and Stay of decay that maybe wouldn't have maybe sold as many copies as you'd hope that now with the game pass people will download them and will try them out and then there's going to be revenue streams that way so i think it's a really clever system and i'm looking at what sony did with rocket league when it first came out on playstation plus got a massive following and then they were able to make money from people who missed out on that initial offering or people that were willing to pay for microtransactions and cosmetic items and i can see sea of thieves being something like that now that it is on games pass so a massive well done to microsoft a big bold move but one I think will really pay off in the long run. And the last story that I wanted to talk about for January 2018 was the full-on proper launch of the Overwatch League. Now, Overwatch has been incredibly popular now for a reasonably long time, especially in the streamer circuit. And so it made sense for Blizzard to try and monetize that, to try and turn it into something that people can watch and enjoy on a professional level. And I've got to say, they've done an amazing job. When you watch Overwatch League on the streams, it feels like a professional sports event, which of course it is. And that's the point blizzard are trying to make it is a professional sports event and that's how it's being marketed that's how it's being produced but perhaps what was most impressive was the viewership figures so it peaked i believe as far as i can tell at around 450,000 people watching the first week of matches uh, all this data by the way is taken from verdict.co.uk and their story how do overwatch leagues early viewing figures compare to the world's biggest sports leagues and it caught my attention because i thought it was interesting to compare it how is overwatch doing already 
city against the biggest sports that are out there in terms of their average viewership. So over the first week, the average viewership was around 300,000. So I thought we'd have a look at the figures and see how that compares. Because of course, Blizzard want this to become a big sporting event and they want people to be watching. So National Football League in America, average viewer figures, 16.5 million. So nowhere near that. But of course, NFL, such a big part of American life, has been for a very long time. It would make sense that they would have a massive viewership, especially considering the size of America. So what about the NBA? Well, on average, they get 1.4 million viewers for a television match. That's a big drop down. And I was very surprised by that. I definitely thought there'd be many more viewers than that for the NBA, but 1.4 million. On average, the uh, English Premier League football gets around 1 million viewers per match, which is, again, kind of really surprised me. I thought it'd be much more than that, but no, about 1 million is the average viewership for a Premier League match. The National Hockey League, the NHL, gets around 460, 450,000 viewers on average for a televised match. So in the Overwatch League only is only just sitting below the NHL, and Overwatch League has only been going for a month. So first off, Blizzard does deserve a massive congratulations. They've put together a product that people want to consume and they want to enjoy and they want to spread and share. And a big part of that is because they have approached it like a sport. A lot of esports that we've seen previously have approached it as an esport. Oh, look, this is an esport, it's all about computers, let's lean into that. Whereas Overwatch League has gone into it like a sport. You have pro players, you have trade windows, you have franchises, which I think is one of the biggest things. Having those city-based franchises, even if the people aren't from that city, it, that doesn't matter. You've got a city-based franchise to support. And having that leaning, people immediately going to a team will make a massive difference. Not having some random team from anywhere, but oh, we've got the London Spitfire. I'm going to support them. London Spitfire, I'm from the UK. None of the team are from the UK but I'm going to support the London Spitfire and of course that comes with some controversies in the first month they've had to find two players for separate things one player has been banned for the year for uh, some really just ridiculously inappropriate comments that just were totally out of line and one for um, sticking their middle finger up at the camera without realising they were being watched they were trying to communicate and joke around with the sound team and they didn't realise they were being watched but of course if you're treating this like a sport you cannot do that to the cameras so they got fined and I just wanted to finish with that little bit of positive news that gaming is reaching a point where people are considering it in the same sort of light as what you might call normal sports. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how the rest of this season goes for the Overwatch League and to see whether the viewership goes down, whether it grows. And I'll be definitely, definitely interested in seeing the viewership figures for the final match at the very end of the season. How is that going to compare? Normally you'll tend to get a spike and I'll be interested to see how high that spike can go for the final. So well done to Blizzard, well done to Overwatch, and well done to the Overwatch League. And there you have it, the top four gaming stories of January 2018 wrapped up for you. Now you are firmly in the know. Thank you so much for listening. Please like and share and subscribe on whatever platform you are on. Don't forget to rate us as well. That's really useful for getting more people listening to the show. Just want to take this opportunity to remind you that you can find us on Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube just by going to those platforms and searching for Game or Naught. And if you have enjoyed the show, remember to share us on those platforms as well. If you want to help us out that little bit more, you can go to patreon.com forward slash game or naught. And from just $1 a month, you can help support us and help us grow and help us put more and more into the game or naught blog and podcast and YouTube channel and streams. What will be the biggest gaming stories in February 2018? Well, I'll be letting you know about those in about a month's time. Goodbye. <laughs>